All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. Drew here. Hey, I am super pumped today uh, to bring on uh, Nick Kumalatsis. Is that right? Fucking nailed it. Uh, <laughs> Nick is a former Marine Raider, owner of several companies, dad of three, motorcycle rider, jiu-jitsu expert, and all-around awesome dude. Uh, right now, Nick is, help, uh, is helping uh, busy people all over the country uh, get back in shape, take ownership of their lives through his 30-day Agogi program. And uh, as much as I've, I've kind of kept up with Nick, I can never pronounce his fucking last name. So <laughs> we had to work on it for like 20 minutes before we recorded. Uh, but Nick, thank you for coming on, man. What did we talk about today? Oh, man, we talk about the the systematic breakdown of the father in the house. We talked about the why that was happening and how damaging it is to uh, the, our country and the family unit. And then we talked about taking ownership of our lives and bringing that back. How do we become the very best fathers husbands and men that we can be to change not just our own our own lives our family lives but our community's lives absolutely and we also talked about um it's a great idea to do two days for jujitsu for 30 days straight too. The super great idea i highly suggest everybody do it <laughs> definitely recommend it so, <laughs> well nick man thanks for coming on and uh guys let's hop into the episode are you ready to become the dad you know you're meant to be good because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect action is better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three, and founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. All right, Nick, what's going on, man? welcome <laughs> <laughs> i like that welcome i love the uh the shirt nick by the way rider yeah dad, dad. this is uh, a good friend of mine's uh vince fargus shirt vince fargus i have on, i have another one that says make dads great again uh, i like that oh you don't you didn't see i wore this just for this occasion yeah so, there you go yeah so um they are on it <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't find it like typical family fashion you know everything is in disarray during the week and then we use the we use Sunday usually to like put the house back together. Yeah. But between between Monday and Saturday, it's just like oh, so yeah. I, I couldn't I, I didn't find that shirt. So I was like, oh, I found this one today. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll rep rep vents. Where are you guys? Uh, where are you guys living at? North Carolina. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You're not that far away. Then I'm just down in uh, uh, Atlanta, so not that far away. I actually was talking to um, a guy. I did a podcast on my podcast yesterday. He's like a 40-year black belt or something like that. He's 52. He's been training martial arts. He's in Atlanta. And I actually want to come film a series there. Uh, I don't know if you've been track tracking. We've been doing this Let's Roll series where I go yeah. travel around different gyms. Yeah. And, uh, do some jiu-jitsu and have some good eats. And it's like a jiu-jitsu travel show. When did you when did you get into jiu-jitsu? Because you did uh you did this thing where you went for Stupid. like Stupid. what was it it was like 30 days straight or something or like it i don't was, know what it was it was 60 it was two a days for 30 days so i saw this i saw this this older dude he's probably in his early 50s maybe late 40s he's a purple belt and he wanted to do 60 sessions in 30 days i think he made it to like four like high 40s and didn't didn't make it and i was like oh i can make this way better than that i was like yeah, this I'll do it. a good idea i'll do it as a white belt so this was i guess a year and a half ago i'll do it as a white belt which is way harder right because like the the level of output 
as you get better is just a lot like yeah, I'm you all, start to know like what you're doing, and you're yeah, you just, you're everybody. not work. You're not working as hard as you are when you first when you first start. It's like you're just trying to survive and not die. So I thought it would be interesting at that level to do this, you know, to do this challenge, and we can talk about challenges and why they're important for men and things like that. But so this next thing, I was like, okay, it's time to it's time to essentially you know get punched in the face, you know, and uh, and get it real uncomfortable. And, uh, so I, I did, it was, so I said, I'm going to do this 60, you know, 60 sessions in 30 days. And how long was a session? Like an hour or so? You, you would hope, but really it always <laughs> turned into like an hour and a half, you know, or a little bit more. Um, but yeah, basically it was a class as a class and, um, and then rolling, you know, after the class for a certain amount of sessions. Okay. And, uh, and then on Tuesdays, there were certain days of the week that I had like, I think it was like Tuesday, Thursday, and maybe Saturday morning was like a drill day. So I would go in, you know, I'd have, I would get I'd get with a group of guys that'd be coming to my gym or whatever, and we would do like an hour and a half of, you know, I'd have somebody teach. So I brought up, I brought an upper belt guy in, he would teach, and then we would drill for an hour, and that considered a class. And now I kind of took that as like a little, little bit of recovery. Yeah, even though, yeah. you're not like sparring. Yeah, even though the it. night prior I was, you know, we were we were rolling hard, and that night I would be rolling hard. But at least it gave me like, all right, for this hour and a half, I'm just gonna I'm gonna focus on, you know. At this point, you were a white belt. Like I, I don't know any of the belts, right? I'm I'm stupid when it comes to beginner. Stuff. I, I've always like, wanted to to do it, but beginner. Like okay. you don't you don't like? I mean, granted, I've been at it for just over a year, right? Um, so I had like a good base, but I mean, yeah. even at a year in, you're, you're still just, was, I mean, was it just the challenge of it or were you wanting to like accelerate the learning and be like, Hey, I'm going to learn a ton of shit in 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. I mean, you just like, I just want to do this. Cause I well, know, you know, you know how it is from doing, you know, doing what you do as, as, as well as you, your brain can only absorb so much, right? Yeah. Like you're only going to take in so much and one of the coaches i had during the challenge dana cash who has a gym up in jacksonville north carolina uh labyrinth for anybody that's in that area uh, hands down best training facility um best coaching in the area like there's nobody in jacksonville that's gonna compete with him um so he would come in and do those drilling sessions and he's he was one of the ones that told me um He's like, honestly, you're gonna forget more than you were. Yeah, that's I think. Like, you're gonna reach a, a point where, like, it's just Saturation. more of a physical and mental challenge, yeah. right? Then, right. like, I'm actually gonna retain. But, some but what was interesting, he said, he said, your brain, you know, our brains are very, you know, very interesting things, right? Very powerful machines. He's like, yeah, you're not gonna remember anything. He's like, but obviously, you're gonna take a break after this. And I did. I took a, I it was, it just worked out that I went on a ten day vacation immediately follow so i i finished the challenge yay you know <laughs> and then uh and then we went the we went and did a, a vacation down on an island in florida off the coast of florida you had to get a boat to get there there's like no internet there's no oh, nothing nice. it's a yeah. it's an island off off of south florida and you're just stranded on this island and uh so i took me and me and the little guy and my wife there and uh when i came back from that that's when things started to kick in. So it was like my brain needed to catch up. Yeah, you should and take a pause. I needed to take a pause, rest, and then all the stuff started to kind of click. And that's really when. And then I got promoted that summer. 
Um, and that's really, I, I, I attest a lot of, uh, you know, my, you know, getting my blue belt to that really like the, yeah. the speed in which I did. And I uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to just like being exposed to it that often. You know? Well, it's, it's at the end of the day, if you want to be good, if you want to master something, you know, the, the, the goal, the, the saying is 10,000 hours, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be a good dad. You want to be good at shooting. You want to be good at finance. You you have to have ten thousand hours of experience or something like that in in that field. So how how else do you do you expose yourself to you know getting better at jujitsu other than I need ten thousand hours on the mat? <laughs> yeah, I mean? like that's one that's one approach. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like essentially, it's just time, yeah. right? It's it's time and experience. You can't replace experience. Yeah. And uh well, so anyways, yeah, that's why I did it. Yeah. And One you're still you're still active in the the jiu-jitsu community, right? I mean, you're you're going to gyms, you're oh, kind yeah. of working your way up and yeah. Oh yeah. How often like you do it every day? Uh So I do it I do it at minimum 4 times a week. Um we are actually in the process. When's this podcast going to air? How do you Uh sure? like two, 2 weeks or so, maybe. Two weeks. Week, yeah. So I'm actually um I don't even know. I, I don't even know if I should say it, but I'm you should. Like, you should totally it. say it. Um, we're actually part. I'm actually partnering with my my coach on the business. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. So okay. we'll, I'm 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 coming in as a partner. Um, now, of course, I, I'm coming in as the business side of things. I don't. Yeah. I'll let him. I'll let him handle everything and and continue to get smashed. Um, <laughs> but we are actually in the mix of. I'm sure you track Johnny Slicks and all the other things yeah. that we do. So here where we're at, we've grown so much and you've, you've followed me over the, over the you know years. So you've probably seen this, but um, we've had to like expand and move. And, you know, I had to, I had to build my home off. I had to move my office from the first location and then the second location to here. Uh, Johnny has to work from his office at home because the, you know, fulfillment lab, everything has yeah. just grown so much that we had to expand. We actually have, now we have three, not including our home offices, we have three different locations that we pay for. So we have the the, the private gym, we have the, the manufacturing facility, and then we have a fulfillment and some offices, a little other facility. So we're constantly all over the place, right, in this area. Now, granted, like each location is less than a mile from, from the next location, but still not having everybody on roof. And we actually get the uh, opportunity to um, build a build a an actual facility for both locations which are going to be right next to each other so johnny slicks always forward podcast all yeah, of our offices you're gonna, you're gonna have like a compound there yeah basically <laughs> we're, we're building a compound uh, we haven't even told anybody this either so you're getting you're getting <laughs> first you're getting first of all this and then we're moving the gym over there as well so you'll, we'll have jujitsu you know six thousand square foot of jujitsu and then a two, our two thousand square foot strength and conditioning facility in the back of it all in one location so, um, yeah, it's well, exciting. Mean, yeah, I'll say you said something interesting too. Like you're coming in like as a business guy, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to talk about that, and and like we'll get into dad stuff too. But this is just like a, an area of interest for me, like as a struggling entrepreneur. That we were we were talking before we hopped on, and I'm, hey, I'm all, <laughs> listen. All entrepreneurs are struggling, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the worst part of the game. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was I was telling Nick before I was like, yeah, man, I'm trying to just handle so much. Like I'm doing I'm doing Facebook ads, I'm doing fulfillment, I'm doing yeah, you know, yeah. like product, product development, like everything. I'm like I should hire somebody at some point. So I I'd love to like 
understand what was the evolution of that for you and, and like where did everything begin like and we'll, we'll talk about your military career too but yeah but like post that like when when did things start clicking like hey this is kind of the direction i want to take and then as you started to grow like what did it look like from a leadership perspective and then like bringing on team members you know and like what's your role now uh, now uh, yeah it's it's my my zone of genius five percent and five percent only yeah. Like I, I, I focus on the, out of, out of everything that's done in the business, what is the 5% that only Nick can do? Yeah. Only Nick can have this conversation with Drew. Yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, put somebody in my stead. Um, I, I'm the only voice, my face, my, that's like whatever I'm good at that 5% for the business, that's what I have to do. And that's the only thing that I should be doing now. Every once in a while, do we get sucked into, doing something that's not our zone of genius or 5% or something, you know, and the whole thing, it's like, if you want something done, right, do it yourself. That's yeah. the stupidest thing ever. Don't <laughs> like just remove that from, and I, and I, I know the feeling I've said it, I've felt it, I've thought it, but at the end of the day, it's not the accurate statement. If you want to grow a business and scale. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm, I'm like learning that the hard way right now. Cause like the business is getting to a point where it's growing a little bit. Right. Like I'm still trying to do everything, but, but I'm not the expert at it. Right. Like the example was like, I was trying to launch a Facebook ad this morning, you know? Yeah. And I'm like trying to like press all the buttons well, and, then I, and then Facebook comes back. as like, no, not approved. You can't do approved. this. And I'm yeah. Like, so, so here's the deal with that. So unfortunately <laughs> it's, it, it's never been harder to do uh, PPC these days yeah. compared to just literally just a year and a half ago, like pre 14.5. It was, it was a lot easier. Um, believe it or not, up until, probably three years ago i did i managed all of our ppc yeah every bit of it and it got to the it it got to the point where i was like this is this is i mean we're talking about a seven-figure business with johnny slicks we're talking yeah. about my coaching business we're talking about you know my books or everything right and i was like this is uh this is not sustainable for me. And the business was growing so much that as a CEO, I was doing so many other things that like, you know, managing PPC or, you know, pay-per-click um, advertising was bogging me down. Yeah. And that is truly a full-time job if you want it, if you want it to be done right and make, and make money. Um, so that's really where I had to, I had to like move, remove myself as a bottleneck. Now, granted, you know, 10 years ago, I started and like you, I did everything. Yeah. Marketing, design, graphics, uh, pay-per-click. I, I, I put the stuff on the website. I built the website. I put the stuff on the website. I took the order. I took the money. <laughs> I, I sent it. I took it to the post. I mean, I did it all. Yeah. And yeah. there's a beautiful thing in that, right? That's, I feel like everybody needs that experience. If you're going to start something from ground, you know, if you're young and you're going to start something from ground scratch. Now, if you've got money and you can hire the right people and you can just be like, I got, you're going to make a lot more money. You're going to spend a lot more money, but your return of investment is yeah, going to shorten that. It's going to shorten, gonna that, shorten that, that hockey stick. So for instance, yeah. So for instance, like look at Johnny slicks, Johnny and I, he, you know, he, he bugged me for like six months. Finally, I tried the product, you know, long story short, I found, I, I tried the product and I go, Oh man, this is a million dollar. This is a million dollar product. And it was with under three years, it was a million, it was a seven figure business. Yeah. Um, now, would he have gotten that fast, done it that fast without me? 
No, because he got a coach essentially. Yeah. So, so on that, on that um, vein, the biggest regret I have in business is not investing in myself, meaning hiring a coach, hiring yeah. a mentor, because what happens then is you, you shorten your experience length and you get that hockey stick much faster. Yeah. It's like, why go through the, the same, you know, failure that somebody has already done. It has errors in their back. Right. And can, can say, Hey, yeah, you can go left or right here, but I'm just gonna let you know it's gonna be a lot easier if you go right. <laughs> yeah, and you're still gonna make those mistakes, right? Like, regardless, you're gonna you're gonna make some you're gonna make some mistakes regardless. That's just the way that it works, you know. Even with a coach, like, you're gonna make a move, and then, hell, the coach might even tell you, like, "Hey, I think you know, it's, it's gambling. Business is all gambling. You, you go take this move, and it, will it play out? You know, you don't know. But that's what you're always testing. You're always pushing the needle. You're always saying, okay, this worked. That didn't work. This works. This didn't work. And sometimes we have to make tuition payments. Like we've we've made some big thousand dollar tuition payments to go. Well, cool. That didn't work <laughs> Not again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, won't do that again. And I'm talking big ones, man. Like you know, things. You know, the amount of money that some people in America make in a year, or more than they make in a year we essentially flushed down the drain by just testing. Yeah. You know, and just being like, let's try it and see what happens. And then yeah, you know, nothing. Yeah. Um, a tax write off at the end of the year. But that was my biggest regret, man, is trying to go in on my own. Granted, did I do good? Did I build, did I build something sustainable to, I mean, yeah, I built a seven figure business essentially without a coach. Uh, did I have good people and, and people in my life to ask questions? Sure. Um, but then I was like, it took me that long to do like we're yeah, talking like about, about it, you know, hired a coach at this time or six, you know, seven years yeah. to get to get to that level um, through experience. Man, and then what I've done and then I hired a coach and I literally get three years of experience in one year. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, I got more time with my wife. I got more time with my family. I've, I've got actual money in my bank account instead of just creating a cash eating machine to where i'm like i'm yeah we're making money but i'm still always broke you know, i'm <laughs> yeah. sure you know a lot of people can you know uh, you know understand what i'm saying there especially if you're in that game um so that was my biggest regret is not investing even though you don't have a lot of money investing in knowledge right yeah. and if you can't if you don't have the money to hire a coach or get in a mentor group like i i have an always forward mentorship group that i'm actually turning on probably today um to take people get people to sign up um, if you can't afford something like that, right. Or a one-on-one -on -one coach, then start investing time, money, and resources into learning the things that you need to learn. Like, like you're talking about how to do PPC, you know, like take actual, get somebody that's a, an expert in it and pay for their course. If it's a hundred dollars, $150, because a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to take, you know, five grand, whatever I've got and put it into stocks, real estate, Bitcoin, whatever it is. And it's like, Okay, dude, like, first of all, that's not a lot of money, right? You know, so why not take that five grand and, and spend it on yourself? Yeah. Because the knowledge that you're going to gain from taking those courses or getting that mentor. Now, now you have the ability to solve people's problems, which now you can charge money, which means essentially your net worth has gone up. Yep. The ability for you to make more money is has gone up. Like you now know how to do a bunch of different things 
that instead of that five grand out of whatever X return is going to make you eight, $850 off that five grand. Instead, that five grand could teach you how to make $300,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's like one of the best pieces of advice too. Like I, I'm, I'm early on my, you know, kind of path and, and kind of entrepreneurial journey, but where I've seen like the, the biggest return from an investment, like, is that right? Like mm-hmm. is, Hey, let me take, $2,000, even though I don't want to spend this and fly to an event. Right. Right. And like, and, and meet people that are in this space that are ahead of me that I can network with and, and build relationships with, you know, and, and, and get a little bit of experience and knowledge. And like, that's paid dividends, you know? 100%. Um, yeah. But your network, you, they, they, they have a saying, your network is your net worth. Yeah. Mm. If you've got five, if you've got, you know, four millionaire friends, you're probably going to be the fifth millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way it is. You are who you hang out with. If just the same thing, if you hang out with a bunch of low lifes that complain and are victims and drink on, you know, drink themselves to sleep every night with, you know, 24 pack of beer, do you think you're going to be the next millionaire? Yeah. No, you're going to be that guy, the overweight yeah. dad sitting in the recliner bitching about the whole world. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of the whole world <laughs> yeah. transition here, I think that's a good, a good segue uh what is up with men these days um you know like you, you talked about the guy that's drinking himself to sleep you know he's he's uh not pushing himself not taking on challenges you know and i feel like we've we've gotten to a point in our culture where it, it's kind of an epidemic that men are not being men mm-hmm. uh, and fathers are not being leaders what they're supposed to be like you know what what do you you know i've heard you talk about it but kind of what, what's your thoughts around that so um this is a big this is a big conversation right and this is the reason the whole reason for your podcast and I actually, I, I would love to actually, you know, go back and listen, you know, forgive me. I haven't actually listened to any of them, but I w- I'd like to go back and see what kind of content people are talking about. But when I look at this, when I look at the, the, the epidemic of the lack of essentially manhood in our country, in the world, really, you know, I, you know, Western civilization, I guess you could say, um, you you really go back to like the seventies. Um, when I look at it and you look at it from a macro standpoint, you know, you know, stepping back and looking at it from a big, you know, from the mountaintop, look at the way families were sixties and earlier. There was a very rooted family orientated, uh, picture. Okay. Across the country. Mm-hmm. fathers were in the home now i'm not saying fathers weren't the greatest fathers yeah. you know post post you know world war ii vietnam whatever you know korean war there were some issues right um but fathers were in the homes fathers went to work you know what i mean families were a family unit now you get to the 70s specifically in the minority communities there was a very targeted planned out uh campaign um against men in this country uh and like i said specifically the minority community with like you know cocaine and crack and then all of a sudden with the influx of crack cocaine into our society that was you know done by our government let's you know that's all very <laughs> we, we funded what do you mean what do you mean done by our government well, I mean, we fund, we we utilized that. You know, CIA utilized the drug the drug trafficking to fund uh, the, the war against communism in South America. 
you know, I mean, Ron, and then that's where the war on drugs came from. It was like this huge hypocritical thing. It's like yeah. Reagan creates the war on drugs at the same mm -hmm. time. The CIA is, you know, literally bringing drugs in and using the money that we're paying to fund the fight for communism. It's, it's like open source. You can Google okay. this. You know what I mean? They're making movies and shows about it now. Um, and then at the same time, they changed the laws to where if a guy even got like had it, I don't even, I don't know the exact term, but it was like, you know, you were basically locking guys up for um, essentially what would can be considered minor, minor crime, not violence, not anything yeah. like that. But you're talking about 10, 20 years for having any sort of paraphernalia or anything whatsoever. Um, that was that to me looks like if I look at it, that was the very because if you look at, say, Martin Luther King's era, right? Men were wearing suits. Mm -hmm. They had men's groups. They had men's community. Men's uh, collectively across the country, men, either through the church or through a, a group or through, you know, some sort of club. They had men communities and almost all of them, whether it was a union, the Masons, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. The fact is they had a that men were united through a community. They all dressed well. They worked well. They went to they went and they went home and was part of their family. The seventies, you saw a shift with that. Uh, lack of jobs, right? It was harder to do. Union stuff was getting was getting pushed down. Um, some of the actual trade, the trade uh, trade skills that were coming that that the guys would go learn were getting shut down. Those those were no longer being paid for. Um, and then you saw the the degradation of the family unit in the 70s mm -hmm. and that trans and then that went into the 80s and then it just kind of so this this what we're dealing with right now is not something that has happened overnight yeah like this is a slow roll of the breakdown of communities and why is that why do you not if the government if the if the federal government um wants to control a society what's the easiest way to do that remove remove strong men from the community yeah because you got to think if 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 we if we took the same kind of community and the same kind of men that we had in the 60s and just put them here right today like today do you think that the government would get away with the stuff that they're pulling no no, no. as a community as a group yeah. as a tribe as a country the men would be like uh, no yeah <laughs> because that is not it's not what's good for my family yeah next mm -hmm. question you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But we don't. We've we've allowed these things to happen and we've allowed the pussification of men to accrue. You know, they want to talk about toxic everything, you know, the whole thing with toxic masculinity. You know what toxic masculinity is? The lack of masculinity. That's what's toxic. And the lack of that is what's causing, and now you talk about you know, uh, men not being true men, tr being true to themselves, not having good role models, and now you've got the, you know you know not, not to open a can of worms but you've got really really toxic females mm -hmm. that are putting men down and what's a, what's a crazy thing in, in in my in my mind is women really want a masculine man mm -hmm. they, they truly do um because what what do we see when we have a very passive man in a in a male female relationship when the woman walks all over him it, he, she doesn't respect him as a father, as a husband, as a man. And that's when typically women cheat on them. You know, they'll they'll go astray. Same with the men. Men are not being respected at home. The wife's not respecting them. 
next thing you know, there's some 25 year old girl that thinks she's the greatest thing ever that think and respects him and, you know, talks to him a certain way. And, and if, so of course that, that, you know, people are like, well, there's no excuse for that. Sure. You can say that, but you can, you can put a system in place to where those things are going to happen. Yeah. That's just the way that's, that's the reality of it. And as adults, we need to, we need to understand that and go, okay, if I'm not having a good relationship with my wife, if she's holding resentment and I'm allowing her to walk all over me and I don't stand my ground, I'm not the man of the house and I'm not giving her the things that she needs and she's not giving me things that, that I need. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so I think what's, what's good to see is there's been, you know, kind of some, a little bit of an uprising, right. From men, like there's, it's that, happening. Like, you, yeah, it, it's, it's happening. And, yeah. you know, you saw it like maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago, like kind of start to pop up and it's gained popularity, you know, since then, but, and there, there's like a reason for it. I think like guys are starting to wake up and be like, you know what, like, I didn't do this to myself, but like you said, it started, you know, <laughs> years and years ago. Um, and so it's really good to see is, is that that uprising. But I think what what guys need to realize is that it's going to have to be a generational change. Right. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't take, you know, two or three years for us to get here, although it's been accelerated right. the past two years. Um, you know, it, it's going to take us being being, you know, great dads, being, a, you know, a leader to the next gener- generation, kind of breaking that. Uh, that chain there to, to, to have it continue to flow. Right. And so yeah. when we look 60, 70 years from now, like we're in a much better place. And so I, I see guys like get discouraged because they're like, well, it's not, you know, we're not fixing it like right now. And it's like, no, this is a long game. You know, no, it's, it's a long game. It's a, yeah, long it's, time a, it's asymmetrical it. warfare. Yeah. Or, or it is. It truly is. So let me ask you this. Did you, did you grow up with a dad? I did. Yep. You mm-hmm. did. Yeah. So yeah. Good familial unit. Uh, mom and dad are, are still married. They've been, you know, together almost 40 years now that's um, awesome. you know it's it's not like the perfect marriage it wasn't the perfect family what, which you know, one but, yeah. what is <laughs> right yeah, what is um yeah but no I had that role model to look to um and i think part of it like the reason I, I started this business this podcast was was looking at you know the 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 kids that don't that are put in those positions that we we're talking about right like they don't have a father in the home um, they're, they're being raised, you know, just, just by their mom, which is great. Like, like great on the mom, like trying to do that. But like, if you don't have a male role model to look up to, like you can just look at the statistics. Like if the dad is not present in the home, like, like suicide rates are up, like criminality is up. Um, you know, it's just a whole host of, of things that, that yep. happen. And when you look at what's the, you know, what's the commonality of those, like it is men and it is dads being a leader in that family. You look at a bad situation, no matter what it is, whether it's a rape, a burglary, a, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Breaking, entering, gang involvement doesn't matter. You look at a guy that gets, you know, even in his 20s or in teenage years, he gets pinched for something. 90% of the time, that person did not have a father in his home. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people. I did not. And what's interesting is when I when I look at the individuals that I was in with special operations majority, and I'm talking 80% or more did not grow up with the father in the home. That yeah, why, do you, why do you think that is? I think that, um, we actually talked a lot about this, uh, back, back then. I think that men that grow up that way are looking for something. The ones yeah. that want to be better. Yeah, I think that and, and for me, I was always that way. I was constantly looking to 
Let's see what's the word. I guess in a way better my like the next level. Even though if I didn't know that I was trying to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just trying to 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 get something out of life and to and to do something better. And um I think that there's a certain subsect of men that even though they don't have a father in the house, they are on that journey. And a lot of them, you know, the ones that, you know, if you're poor and, you know, and I hate this stigma that like, oh, you must have been dumb and poor if you joined the military. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say dumb, you know, um, I didn't graduate high school. Now I have a master's degree, but nonetheless, um, you know, me not graduating high school is, is had nothing to do with, you know, how smart I was. It was a lot of other things. But, you know, you typically look at that. That's what people think. Um, and I don't I don't think that's the, the case. But I do think that when you are raised without a father and you're, in a, you know, you're just like for me, it was just my mom and my brother and me. She was working one or two, you know, sometimes two jobs just to make ends meet. So me and my brother were kind of left to our own devices a lot, um, <laughs> which led to me getting in a lot of trouble having two felonies by the time I was 13, 13, oh, excuse me. And, uh, so it was very much an escape. It was, it was a, you, you know, you can take someone who has no opportunity, but if he has the will to fight and he has the will to make some of himself, that's, you can do yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. It gives you the opportunity mm -hmm. to level up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It puts you know everyone I mean? in a, like a level playing field, you know? Um, like regardless of background, like you're saying, regardless of status, like what, when you put the uniform on, you are the same it, exactly as the guys that like right next to you. And it's know? on you. If yeah. you want to progress, you want to make the effort. Now, is there some political bullshit involved? Yes. I oh, got yeah. Out. I got out of it. <laughs> I got left because of the political shit. But nonetheless, um, I made it to become, you know, a Marine Raider in special operations, which gave me, you know, a, a resume to continue to level up my life. Mm -hmm. but I did that. I had to go through those selection processes. I had to beat my body up. I had to go do the things that I, I did and to, uh, to, to make myself harder and to make myself, you know, a better person, mm -hmm. but that didn't yeah. stop there just because you're doing that. Don't, mm -hmm. Trust me. And, and by any means, am I saying that every special operations guy is the, is the best human being that there is? No, that's not the case. There's plenty of shitty human beings out there that are in special operations. What I'm saying is there's a unique personality trait in, in certain men that are constantly looking to level up. The fact that you have this podcast means you're one of those individuals. You're, you're somebody who's like, how can I, how can I turn the needle up? on me being a good husband, me being a good entrepreneur, me being a good father, you know what I mean? Every little yeah. bit. Yeah. And um, like, what's just like, you mentioned the part about you growing up, growing up without a pops and I would agree to you, like, like part of the reason you, like you probably joined was like, Hey, to, to find that community to find like male role models again, to prove to myself, that, like I'm worth, I'm worth it. Right. And I think what's, what's interesting though, is I, you know, if I really like deep down think about it, like, why did I join the military? is the same type of thing, but coming from like a different angle, right? Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I had a great upbringing, you know, we were middle class, but I never like wanted for anything, right? Never really got in any trouble. Um, you know, my, my pops, uh, you know, has this awesome business, right? That if I want to, I can just step into. So you, you weren't know, challenged. Over. Not really. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was like, fuck it, man. Like I need to go do something on my own, you know, like uh, to, to prove to myself that I can do this, you know? Yeah. So, mm, it's like, which is so, which is so important for young men. 
we have to, we, for men, men need to be in young men. I'm talking teenage boys, even, even younger need to be put to the test. Mm -hmm. We have to like, we're genetically designed to be put through the fire. Like we have to have that. Otherwise we don't reach our potential. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that, man. Like the, the, when I feel the best is like when I'm going through some type of challenge, right? Like, like something hard. And if I, you know, if I take a month off or something, you know, from like having a goal or an aspiration and like digging into it, I like, I feel like shit. I'm like, you know, I'm getting depressed. I'm, you know, yeah. I need to be driving towards something. Well, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I made a video with, uh, Bedris Koulian and, uh, he, he, I said, Hey man. Uh, so I went out because he, he was my business mentor for, uh, over a year. And, um, so I sit down with them and, you know, I made a little video. I said, Hey, if you're going to share one thing, one thing with, uh, you know, men in my audience about how to be successful, what, it, what would it be? And that was, that was his, his exact go-to was that right there. He said, men are like German shepherds, <laughs> high class, like a hybrid German shepherd, great dogs, absolute great dogs when they have purpose when they have, a, <laughs> yeah. when they have yeah. a job uh, right when men have purpose and they have a mission whether it be find bombs find drugs protect family whatever mm -hmm. it may be right like whatever that dog's trained to do it needs to be trained to do something what happens with those dogs when they're not trained to do anything and yeah, right. eating everything in your house like ripping your wiring apart Everything, yeah. <laughs> right? Digging holes in the backyard, self-destructive, rolling around in the mud, acting like an asshole. You know, I've got one of those. I've got I got two two golden retrievers. One was Leo when I got out. I got him, I think right when I got out. He actually went through training and ended up becoming my service dog. I, I wrote a book about it right there. It's Communicated Warrior, Seven Stages of Transition. It's all in the book. Um, Life-saving. You know, got me through, got me through a lot. Um, now he's like an old family pet. But he's had training. We just went on a boat the other day and everybody was like, Oh, this dog's so good. I was like, well, it's like 25 grand in this dog of training. So um, he better be still good. Um, <laughs> and they're like, your dog's not on a leash. I'm like, Oh, he's on a leash. Yeah, he's, on a, yeah. he's on a mental leash, <laughs> he knows it. but he still has purpose and he knows what he, like his commands and all the things that he, that he has, he knows what he's doing. Now the other one that we got, he didn't go through training and he is all that he has. He's just an absolute asshole. This dog is an asshole, messing up everything all the time. He needs to go to training. But that's that's the difference, right, between a dog that has purpose mm -hmm. and a dog that has, you know, that's just a pet and has no purpose in his life and no training. Men that we see that, that are just floating through life and have no purpose and have no mission and don't know where they're going in life, what do they do? Self-destructive habits, right? They, they create self-destructive self-destructive habits whether it's through drinking whether it's through women drugs gambling porn porn it doesn't really matter it's 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 whatever they can find to you know you know feel this fill this like a uh, sinking hole of uh, of pleasure right mm -hmm. they think that I just want to feel good I just want to feel good and but the problem with feeling good is it, it literally is a hole that never gets full. That's yeah, why an that's, that's why an alcoholic never stops drinking because you can't ever fill that void. A heroin addict is never going to stop doing heroin because 
he'll never, he just wants to feel good. And then it wears off. He wants to feel good again. So it's men have to have purpose. We have to be driven, driving towards something. And we're not, we're not our very best versions. And this is the reason why challenges and doing hard things and like putting ourselves, making ourselves uncomfortable is absolutely crucial for men's, uh, you know, evolution and, and growth. Yeah. And, and so like when you got out of the military, how did you find that purpose? Like, I know it's one of the things that I, I struggle with, right. When I got off of active duty, I was, like, hey, that, that was my identity, you know, and like, how do I get overcome, how do I overcome that and kind of redefine my purpose? So I was, uh, very lucky. I got out and, um, you know, I started, you know, I got, I immediately went into contracting, uh, like, you know, most guys do. Right. Cause that's all you can do. Right. You're, you're as good as that's all you're as good, good for. So I immediately went into contracting. I did that for a little while, but unfortunately, you know, my thought was this, if you get out and you're making six figures, right. You leave the military. All of a sudden now you've got, you know, you get your contracting, you've got healthcare, you're making a ton of money. Life is good, right? That's all you need. No, <laughs> no. Money is great. Money is a great tool. Um, it solves a lot of problems. Never, never, you know, apologize for having money or making money. Um, but that is money is not going to fix your brain and fix your heart. Um, so I struggled very, very, you know, pretty, pretty deeply. And, and that's what that book's about is, is going through that transition. Um, after I finished contracting, I started my first business and I met this guy, uh, Carl Munger, who was the, at the time, the executive director of Gallant Few. And I'm not sure he is anymore, but um, so he put me on a path to help veterans, which I was kind of doing on my own anyway. And, uh, I was, you know, I was utilizing, I, you know, a year and a half out, a lot of my guys were coming to me and be like, Hey, I'm about to get out. I'm getting medically retired. You know, you're doing really well. What they appeared, I was doing really well. I was actually falling apart. And I was like, cool, what we'll do is we'll, uh, I'll use my network. We'll start going to some of these different events. Uh, we'll pull our money together and we'll go on these trips and I'll introduce you to all the different VPs and presidents that I've met. Right. And that way you, you do what I did. You get a six figure job and everything's good, right? You're making $150,000 a year and life is good. And you can drive on without the military. Right. Um, so, but actually doing that, so that kind of became my mission, right? Like I, I linked up with him. He helped me start a nonprofit. I worked under him um, for many years and um, that, that became my mission. And what was really neat about that is when I started that, I took it, I took the, I guess the onus on me and I was like, okay, if I'm going to help my team guys, my dudes, um, then I need to know what whatever the therapy is, whatever the opportunity is. I'll put myself through it first to make mm -hmm. the to vet it, if to, to see if it's like hokey pokey stuff or if it's like legit therapy. So I went on this journey of kind of self growth, self discovery, and work. Like I ended up going to it was funny one of the one of the most beneficial things that I ever did was going to a, a basically an inpatient an inpatient brain clinic for traumatic brain injury and post traumatic stress. And Drew, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I filled out the thing to try to find out more information and it had a bunch of questions there. Really just to learn the application process so that I could send guys to this thing. Yeah. And they called me and they were like, hey, Nick, we got your questions. 
and uh, we're wondering yeah. if you could fly out here tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, not for me. Like, not for not me. me. I'm cool. And they were like looking at, they're like, yeah, so can you be here tomorrow? <laughs> like you need to be here tomorrow. And uh, man, when I went and they started doing the interview process, I, I quickly learned that I did need to be there. I completely fell apart. And uh, anyways, it, it, that radically changed my life. Um, that's in the book as well. And so so things like that, right? Like going through and doing yoga, doing meditation and doing EMDR and doing. So this became my purpose. I was like, I'm going to go vet all these different programs. And, the, and what's interesting is the more I let go of my ego, the more I let go of like me being this like tough, cool guy Raider, the more I let that go and be got more vulnerable and got more honest with myself, the more things started working, more of the therapy started working, the better in shape I got, the how I was eating better. I got my hormones in check. You know, I got, I was just very open. I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to get very comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm going to get real honest with myself. Look at all the nasty things in my in my heart and my head that I didn't want to deal with and, and deal with those things. Now I call it owning your shit, right? You have to before you can fix somebody, you got to own your shit. And, and then I'm pretty sure that's a in, in a way a biblical term. <laughs> um, yeah, Leviticus, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, but that was that was the, really the journey is I that gave me purpose. So initially it was helping veterans. Then I, then I realized that I was jacked up and I needed to get help. And that became my purpose. And then once I became, once I understood that it was how important it was to be purpose-driven, well, that, that just changed everything. Now it was yeah. like, I need, everything needs to be purpose-driven. And I got through the, what I call the, you know, from a divorce, um, me and me and my wife have done podcasts on this, um, current wife, um, uh, on basically uh, adult adolescence and going through a divorce as an adult and all the stupid shit that you do and uh which we both did uh and then you know getting back to like you know that's that was like the pleasure seeking nick and then finding the purpose the purpose driven nick which that all of a sudden your heart is full you know like that's what actually makes you feel like you're accomplished that's what makes you feel full inside to where you don't need to drink you don't need to do all these things because you're serving others you're you know, you're, you're reaching goals that are not pleasure-based mm -hmm. matter of fact, most of the time they're very painful to get yeah, to uncomfortable. They're yeah. uncomfortable to get to. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of that how I was very fortunate is I, I, I met him and, um, he gave me purpose and my purpose at the time was getting as healthy physically, spiritually, mentally as I could. And the same time trying to help others do the same thing. Yeah. I think yeah. what's big about that is helping others too, right? You mentioned yeah. that. Like, I think it kind of comes back to like the, the conversation we we're having about the culture of like everything is kind of geared towards the individual, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the problem um, is that there needs to be a larger purpose other than just for yourself, right? To, to be truly fulfilled. And like, that's where, you know, for me, at least that's where family comes in, right? Like I've got, yeah. you know, I've got, I got uh, two girls and a boy, you know, brand new son um you know, Congratulations. They, they, thank you thank you it's yeah. fun man boy dad finally um <laughs> hey, bro i listen i got a 20 year old a, a 16 year old both girls yeah and now i've got almost a two-year-old it is yeah. different. it is different <laughs> and i'm digging it yeah, yeah. it's Don't uh get me wrong it's, i love i love my i love my girls and 
I was actually wanting another girl and you could, yeah. you could understand this. Yep. Cause you I know, know it. I know it. Yeah. I know it. And I, yeah. and to be a little selfish, I know how much little girls love their dads. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, that yeah, I know. like, like I feel like with girls, there's a, there's a period and my, my oldest is six. Right. So like okay. I'm still early in the journey, but yeah. uh, like, you know, so they love dad right now. And I know there's gonna be a period to where, you know, probably around like, I don't know, 11 or so they're like wanting nothing to do with me. Right. Um, I will never. Again, they do a boomerang. They do a boomerang, but but I remember as about eleven years old, my daughter. Um, well, we were, um, you know, I was divorced from her from their mom, so when you know we did fifty fifty time. So when they were with me, my youngest, we would read books and we would she would sleep with me in the bed, right? And we would do our little mm -hmm. you know, dad daughter stuff, and and I remember, and it was just like you know the best time for me because like it was all about us and she was like like she's just this you know you know the deal like when little girls are that they're just so sweet man and just so much love and uh, i will never forget it was around 11 years old she goes dad uh, time to go to bed she's like i'm gonna sleep in my bed tonight and it was like, like heartbroken yeah. oh my god no warning no like no like down regulation no like a couple nights a week you know what i mean it was just like dad daughter time done <laughs> and that was that drew that was it yeah. that was I the know, shift, man. man it was like one night it's just gonna the door is gonna slam in your face and you're gonna be like there was no warning whatsoever <laughs> i know man i'm just soaking it up as much as i can now you know yeah, like do it do it yeah because they turn into little women they go from little girls to little women like overnight yeah crazy man it's crazy like my my oldest one just graduated kindergarten yesterday which yeah. uh you know it's, it's just like it's it's incredible man it goes by so fast it's like it's oh, the biggest God, cliche in the world you know but yeah. it's link and like it's i told i told him i told ali i said when he was born i said listen because she's not really she wasn't really into like the baby baby thing because she's like so small and she's like i feel like she's so fragile i just want him to get like a toddler age i said listen don't say that i said <laughs> This shit is gonna go by by the blink of an eye. I said he just was born. I swear, in 18 years you're gonna blink. He's gonna be graduating high school, and you're gonna be like, "What happened?" Because I, you know, like I've experienced that whole yeah, the know, whole spectrum. It kind of started the whole spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, listen, don't don't ever say I want, I wish this, or I'm looking forward to like just be in the moment 24 seven because this kid's gonna grow up so fast. And even just he turns two in August. And she's already been like, I can't believe this has happened. So I'm like, see, <laughs> like, just keep everything slow. <laughs> let's not, yeah. let's not speed up anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you've got two girls that are, that are older then. Um, yeah. I, I want to get your perspective on that. Cause like my oldest is six, right? Like, what do I have in store for me? Oh, a lot, of, a lot of drama, man. <laughs> a lot of drama. Love them, love them and teach them the way now. Like the more you can teach them and love them now and be there for them now, it'll pay dividends in the end. Yeah. You know? But eventually that that door is going to get slammed in your face and you're going to have no warning and it's going to uh, it's going to hurt your feelings, man. And I, 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 I looked at him then I was like, where who are you? And why? <laughs> where did my daughter go? It's like aliens came and took your brain and replaced it with an alien brain. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's wild, man. But you, the interesting thing is you you love them in a different way because you start seeing not that they didn't have you know their personality as a as a kid it, it's 
it's kind of the same that you see a lot of traits that they were even as a baby. Like I, I look at my oldest and I see certain things and I see now and I'm like, oh, that was always there. Mm -hmm. That little personality thing was always there. But you really get to see them turn into adults. And, you know, and if you did your job right, you know, there's a there's a lot of a lot of good things that come out of that. And that's a that's the interesting thing is you go from raising babies to raising adults. And uh, you really get to see what type of people they are. And that's very interesting. It's very awesome to like watch them turn into adults. Yeah, like their they're, own person. Making their, their, own, own. their own person. Yeah. And they want that. You're like you, 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 especially I think with girls, they want to they wanna feel like they're their own individual person. And uh, so you kind of have to like balance a little bit of that and let them let them be yeah. their own person um you know within safety you know because there's obviously things that you know that they don't really realize yet um but it you just it's a different stage so you have to you know you have to let go of the old stage you have to cherish it for what it was and then really just go like all in on this like teenage stage and go um you know that i'm gonna appreciate this for what it is like for instance the other day i was literally last night i was talking to uh my 15 year old and uh thank god she doesn't listen to any of my podcasts <laughs> she was in the car and uh i had asked her a question and i just it, it just her whole attitude i was like what about this and she's like no <laughs> okay so what about if you took uh what if what if because i'm gonna i'm gonna go pick up my grandfather's boat in nashville um it's a little john boat but like me i think my he, he it's so old my mom went fishing on it when she was younger me and, my little, me and my little brother grew up fishing on it you know now i'll be able to take you know my son on it so we're gonna yeah. yeah we're gonna fix it up and you know anyway so i was like hey why don't you drive to nashville and we'll we'll drive it back she goes oh no so everything that i asked i asked like six things i came in laughing i was telling my wife this and everything i asked it was just like Ooh. and i was like you remind me and i didn't tell her this is like she reminded me of like uh the the wendy character from adam's family oh uh, yeah that the uh the daughter the, with the, the daughter you know, ponytail hair yeah. yeah yeah she was just like everything was just like Ugh, that's awful <laughs> you know and it was just such a like a a teenage girl negative mood that she was in and for some reason you know a lot of guys would get real frustrated at that right they'd be like real frustrated i just for some reason i just laugh because if you step back and look at it it really is just like this whatever mood she was in at the time she was just like no 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 and she was making fun of me she was like no i don't want to go on a road trip with you you stop every hour to pee you hate being in a car so like you're miserable to be with on a long trip you know you don't even like driving down to wilmington you're like oh this is so long you know what i mean so and i'm just laughing it's just so it's it's fun but in a in a different way you know mm -hmm. what i mean and if you step back out of it and go listen this girl's 15 years old the hormones are all over the damn place you know what i mean half the times you know they cry for no reason whatsoever you know <laughs> what's wrong she's like nothing i'm like i don't understand why you're crying then <laughs> i don't either yeah. <laughs> yeah she's that's right she goes i don't know <laughs> and i'm like okay well i love you and uh that so it's just it's a different stage and uh you know they go through it but it's it's awesome to watch them kind of go through that whole process and to kind of become 
the people that they are becoming. It's, it really is a, it's hard to explain, but it's a beautiful process. Yeah. I mean, I know we'll be there, you know, sooner than I would like. Um, yeah, unfortunately. And I, yeah. And I just hope that like the, you know, that the lessons that I'm trying to instill in them are going to, you know, stand the test of time. Cause like, you know, I'm sure with your 15 year old, like you're not there all the time. Right. And like right. she's going to have to encounter, you know, difficult decisions she's going to have to make. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just hoping like what I'm, what I'm doing now, you know, when, when they're in their younger years is going to, it's going to translate. And um, so you're, you're doing the right thing, man. You never know. Right. You're just yeah. Like, and I, you're I told, I told him both this uh, actually uh, Vince Vargas and I were talking about this with it. Cause he's both got older daughters just like, like I do. And um you know, our biggest thing was the thing that we communicate with them is like, I, listen, I know you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Like we're all going to make mistakes. And this goes for boys too. But at the end of the day, it's like, I just don't want you to mis- make a mistake that dad can't fix. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. And I've verbally said that I've verbally said like, listen, I understand you're going to go out into the world and you're going to do your thing and you're going to make mistakes. Right. And they're not going to be um, decisions that dad would make for you. But you have to make those. You have to make those decisions. My only thing is to try to think about those things and not make mistakes that Dad can't come in on the back end and fix <laughs> if need be. Yeah, you know what I mean. Some mistakes are a little bit more permanent than others. Yeah, and uh, that's the only thing that I, I guess that's our biggest fear, right? As as fathers, is is that right there? Is them yeah. making something happening that that we can't help with? And I think I mean you you hit on right there is just the communication piece, right? It's just like yeah. I feel like that's where. Uh, a lot of dads and I'm not in this, you know, situation yet where my, my kids are teenagers, but you know um, I think like you have to communicate with them and like be real with them and, and, and try to, you know, cause like I've always said like when my kid is, you know, in high school and she's out like drinking at a party or whatever, and she knows that like dad's not gonna be happy about it, you know, yeah. but I, I want her to know that instead of her hopping into a, a freaking car, like she needs to call me and I'll come pick right. her up. You know, and I want her to be able to trust me that much to know that she can communicate like anything. To me. And that's a that's a hard that's a hard balancing thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Like not, you know, that, that's that's where a big a lot of communication and like just like this one, talking about you know, and and men, if you're not having this conversation with your daughters, then you're messing up. But the reality of sending nudes or certain text messages through social apps or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like if you're not having that conversation with your daughters and you think that they're above it or they can't be manipulated into doing something, then you're, you're, you're highly mistaken, Mm -hmm. you know? So from my, you know, from my popularity point of view, I said, you know, I had, I had to tell them like, listen, guys, like just know whatever you do on the internet or on that phone, it's there forever. Is there forever. And if you don't think that you won't be manipulated, then you're deadly wrong. And unfortunately, there's I've had friends that you know have been their daughters have been tricked and things have been leaked on the internet and things like that. And that's horrible, man. And imagine what the damage that does to that little girl. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, even a grown woman, let alone, you know, a grown woman, let alone a teenage girl. So you know, those are the important conversations that you need to have. Those are the things that it's like, just like our own individual self growth, right? We don't want to, it, we grow by, you know, pushing things and living on the fringe, right? Living outside, you know, trying to push the edge of our comfort zone. Okay. Well, being a good husband or being a good father, that also means the same exact thing. Yeah. Having those uncomfortable conversations 
so that it, and you know what they you know and this was this was my girls did oh ooh, dad oh god oh uh, 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 i would never oh my gosh yeah sure you say that you know what <laughs> i mean you say that but i want it to be said and i want not only that i said when you when something happens whether you're 16 or 25 i want you to think of me <laughs> <laughs> i want yeah. you to think i want you to think about this conversation because those things matter yeah you know it's, I mean? it's a crazy world man like they, they've got a you know i feel like bad for kids these days man like i didn't have any of that stuff you're up no. you, you know like like there's, just, there's so much more stuff coming at them now like at a younger age the shit that the shit that i did as a teenager, i know i'm like in, I'm in glad the 90s a cell phone around <laughs> there's no proof nothing yeah. i'm clear yeah. you yeah. have a selfie of it didn't happen you know yeah, but um, yeah, it just it just forces you to have those conversations that like maybe you you know you didn't have with your parents, right? But it's just the world Absolutely we live not. in, and like and like us as the dads and the protectors, yeah, like we we're we're forced to have those conversations, you know. Um, yeah. I was just kidding with my wife like the other day, like, like I said, she just graduated um, kindergarten, my oldest one, and I was like, is it time for like the sex talk yet? You know, I was like, I don't know, like like should we just go ahead and do it? You know, and she's like, no, no, not yet. You know, I'm like, I don't know, she's six, like. <laughs> You'll, yeah. you'll know you'll know yeah. when, that, when that time comes you'll know um but yeah like not being afraid to have those conversations and a lot, like what guy wants to have a conversation about sending nudes over the internet yeah no it's not no, fun. that's not fun right that's like this is like why should we even have this conversation it should be common sense you know you and i both know it's not mm. you know what i mean and, and it can create it can create a lot of damage across the board and uh so across you know any, all those things like you know, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I I'm now with my business partners and my wife and she even does it to me, you know, we're, we're emotionally mature enough to where we go, you know, Hey, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. Oh, cool. But if you're emotionally mature enough, you know, that growth will happen on the tail end of that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If both people are emotionally mature and both people are like, okay, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but this is one of those opportunities to where I can get better. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm the one at fault, maybe even more so if I'm the one at fault, you know what I mean? And that's, and that's where we, we as men have to, we need to start having these uncomfortable conversations. We need to start having these uncomfortable conversations with the people in our circle, with our family and definitely with our kids. Yeah. And I think we, like, you know, when you should have that conversation, I think most guys do, right. There's just, uh, you know, you, you feel it in your gut, you know, you, you kind of have like a sense of like, I know I should probably do something here, but, um, we kind of back down from that, you know? And I feel like yeah. every time you do that, whether it's like a physical challenge, a conversation that you, you need to have, like every time you don't do that, yeah, it, it, it's like a little piece of your soul is dying. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're getting worse. That's where you can have that conversation and, and grow. Right. Yeah. So, mm, that's but, uh, that's it yeah yeah so well um are you treating your new son like like differently like you've had you know two two kids that are a little bit older like are, is your approach to parenting different i know it's a boy you know too so that's a little bit different but so yeah i i think naturally one naturally with even not even i think if he if he was you know if he was a girl you know if i had a third girl i think it'd still be different yeah. You know, you got to keep in mind, I became a father when I was, I think I was 20. Yeah. I think I was 20 years old when, when she was born and, uh, and 
20, yeah, I was 20, I had just turned 20 years old. Um, everything is a emergency. <laughs> everything is a level 10, whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, from her crying to changing a diaper to needing to eat to whatever it may be, whatever developmental thing that she, you know, she was working on, everything is code red. You know what I mean? Um, being a father at 40, well, you don't take things so seriously anymore. You know what I mean? Like you take the serious stuff serious and the rest of it, you're just like, you're all right, bud. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a lot less stress and, yeah. I, and i and i think that you know i'm not saying that you should wait to 40 to have kids by no means um but life does you know and as you get older you get a little softer you know that's the reality of it you get a little softer especially if you're working on yourself and growing in yourself you do become a little more um emotionally more open mm -hmm. right a little more vulnerable ego you know if you put your ego away um, and you just become a better, I, I really do think you do a, you do a better job of being a, a, a parent, um, later in life. Mm -hmm. And it's just through experience. Now, things that I have done different is I'm much more aggressive. Like, aggressive, he's, yeah. okay. He's, and what's interesting is if you look at me as a child, as like a two-year-old, my mom goes, oh, you were such a sweet boy you weren't really aggressive. You were just, you know, you got a little more aggressive when your brother came along. Um, but then you really didn't aggressive until you were like much older. And, uh, this little kid is like a cave baby. He's like, <laughs> bam, bam. But I've been slapping the table and making animal sounds and growling at him since he was a week old, which he thinks, um, which he thinks is, is hilarious. You know what I mean? Like he just laughs and laughs and now he does it. And so there's a very difference the way I was, and this actually gets brought up in the house a lot of how I was as, as that age compared to how he is now. And that's because he has a father in the home, you know? So yeah, there is a very, very different things. Things that like me getting bullied as, as a, as a kid, you know, I got bullied up until I was probably, geez, 11, 10 or 11 years old. Um, and it was a very, you know, I did, I did a podcast with my mom on my podcast of, about a lot of this um and that story was brought up but it was uh um i had to learn how to stand up for myself by myself i had to get to a point what's what's scary about that is what's scary about that is is that could have gone to a point to where some kid could have gotten hurt and now i would have been in trouble i would have been at fault but they wouldn't have looked at the past 10 years of me getting bullied from you know, I, I moved schools every six months, so they wouldn't have looked at, well, this kid, you know, this kid has doesn't have a dad in the house. He's moves every six months. He's in a different school every six months, and he's been bullied at every school leading up to this one. And now he snapped, mm -hmm. you know, fortunate for me. I didn't hurt the kid that bad. And we became friends after, <laughs> which, you know, kind of is the way that things go like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but for him, he won't ever have that problem because I'm going to, you know, it's the whole thing is like, it's better to be a, uh, a warrior in the garden than a gardener, you know, yep. gardener at war. Mm. Like this kid is going to know violence. He's going to do boxing. He's going to do jujitsu. He's going to, he, I mean, the kid's been working out. He's been in the gym since he's a week old. 
I don't know if you saw the video on Instagram. Like he comes, yeah, he's got yeah. like little barbells for him or something. He's, or he's got little, he's got little like little one pound dumbbells, and he's yeah. like doing shrugs and curls <laughs> and presses, and he just does what we what he sees. Yeah, he just emulate mm -hmm. what he sees. So I don't have to influence him one way or the other. I just have to be a role model. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's where we miss things. Yeah. We miss kids don't learn by us telling do this, do that. Nope. No, they watch you. They watch you work. They watch where you spend your time and energies. So, like, if you want your kids to be a certain way, you can't be the fat ass dad on the, so on the sideline, yeah, at the wrestling match or the soccer match, telling them how to do something when your fat old ass can't do it at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I want my dad. So, when my when Dimitri is fifteen, I'll be fifty five. So I want him to look at me and go, yeah, when I'm 55, I want to be like him. <laughs> Not be like, oh, my dad's old. Yeah, he can't you know? come out and hang out with us because he's old as shit. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's old and, you know, I, he can't really move that well and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I guess you, man. Yeah. Just be, like you said, being the role model, uh, kids are not going to really like listen to you. They're going to watch what you do and yeah. tell you, you know. So. But, then, but then you take that aggression, right? You take that young man's aggression and you channel it. You teach him how to use it. You, you, you don't stifle it you you teach them what it is and how to utilize it you know and i have this kind of thing that i'm writing and i haven't i don't want to share it yet but it's like the thought process of why do we train we answer that question why do we protect we answer that question and it's basically like essentially a poem but it leads you down the road of like why we do all the things that we do so each one that we do leads us to the next thing well why do we do that well why do we do that and essentially is because that is our role as a man. Yeah. And I'll, I'll so we covered a lot of ground here, Nick. I want to ask one last question. Yeah. I've started asking everybody. Um, and so, you know, if anybody else is coming on, then, you know, you'll get asked this question too. But, uh, <laughs> but so, uh, you know, pretty much every guy, like there are some exceptions, obviously, like ha has the ability, like physically, like to become a father. Yeah. Right. Like produce offspring. But there, there's a big difference in between the ability to, you know, to have kids and, and actually being a dad. Um, you know, so in your opinion, what is a dad and like what is the role of the dad? Oh, man, the, that uh, the uh, a dad and this doesn't even have to be a biological. There's plenty mm -hmm. of shit biological fathers out there. Mm -hmm. But man, a dad. That is the protector. The provider, the professor. He is, he is the role model, um, the, the wise men of everything. If you are a good dad, then your kid's superhero is you. I love that. You, sh if, if they're, if they don't look at you and go, you are my superhero. You're the one that I want to be like when I grow up, then you're not doing the things that you need to be doing. And what that what I mean by that is either they are they have access to something to look at something or see something or watch something that goes against what your morals, ethics are, um, or you're simply not leading by example. Yeah, and that's why and essentially that is the that it right there is the niche niche target customer of 
of our customer for the agogi. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. 100% that. It is men that have realized that and go, shit. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do as a husband and a father. And it's time to write. It's time to write this ship. And man, let me tell you, you want to get talking about getting choked up. When you get a man who has not done those things, but makes that corner and turns that corner, talking about what it does for the for their relationship with their wife, what it does for the relationship with their kids is absolutely mind-blowing. It is not too late to be the best version of yourself and to change your whole family aspect. Uh, one of the guys who won, he actually, he's a, I think he's the only two-time uh, Agogi Challenge winner. Mm-hmm. His name is John, John Mark Kennedy. His wife, shortly after he came, he he did the challenge. We actually hired his wife as our customer service rep. Um, <laughs> so they talked about getting, she's actually doing the challenge for the first time herself. Um, and they talked about him getting in shape and how big he was. Now he's like, I mean, he just scanned at the gym. He's like less than 8% body fat. He's like 7.5. He's like 215, 7.5. Six foot, six foot. He's a monster now. Absolute monster. And he wasn't before. So she, he did that. She did that. She's doing the challenge. She's like dropped, you know, they've got four kids. She's 44 years old. She looks amazing. Right. And in the gym yesterday, she was talking about how talking about her kids and how, when they started to get healthy, all of the kids started doing it organically by themselves. Mm -hmm. They're 18 year old he comes in the gym here they're 18 year old and I, I don't have any influence over these people right other than social media and stuff and what i say and they just took on the challenge and got into the agogi and just it changed their lives but their 18 year old is an absolute beast i mean like he's one of the guys you would see on instagram and you're like how does this kid do that calisthenics out like the weird the most like things that you and i probably cannot do you know what i mean um and they all said that it was when they started to get healthy and eat right that all of the kids followed suit. Yeah, it's good. like we just talked about. Like they, they're they're not going to listen to what you said. They're watching you do. You know, they just they saw the change that that their dad made, and they all got into it. And now mm-hmm. they're like the whole family's like training in the gym at, at in the afternoon. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. But, like, tell me a little bit more about that. Like I've I've seen the challenge online and stuff. Right, I haven't really been, like dove into it. So tell me like what what do you bring people through? Like what can they expect when they they raise their hand? Oh, and say, yeah, so hey, as for the thirty, as I want to be. 30 day cha- so our our gogi thirty day challenge is so mainly what we do is one on one, and we had this idea of like okay, not everybody can either do one on one or afford it or whatnot. So like, how can we get into? How can we take what the pillars, which are fitness, discipline, belief, and uh, tribe? How can we take those four pillars of the agogi and then give somebody the ability to get a taste to where they could better themselves? Maybe yeah. just Maybe just uh, just a, all they needed was a nugget to get them. So I'm like, so it started a long time ago. We did this like it, really cheap, like Excel spreadsheet kind of challenge. And it did, you know, it, it was okay, but it was the birth of it. And in a way it failed, um, but it gave us the ability. One, it gave us, it showed us interest that people want it. There's a sub, there's a certain group of people that want to get better. They just need to know how. So we finally, it birthed into the 30 day Gogi challenge. What that is, is we go each week, we go over these pillars. Okay. Like today we're doing a live feed, um, for the challenge members that are wrapping up this challenge. Um, and we talk about each pillar and the why and all that kind of stuff. So, 
Um, but what you get is you get either, depending on where you're at, you get um, a training plan. It's a 30-day training plan, um, something every day. You have a whole schedule that you have to do. It's like a lot of times, you know, we do a lot of families, a lot of couples do it together, which I think is awesome. Um, and we had one couple that took first and second. He took first and she took second. So they got like 1500 bucks. So they paid $200 to get in the challenge and they won $1,500. Um, so you get a, a month's worth of workouts. You have to like, you have to do like 20 minute walks with your, with your family or your significant other. You've got to do like read a book, podcast, something, some sort of self-development thing. Um, and then we actually, this is where the, this is where the value is that I don't think anybody does. We actually build you an, a custom meal plan. So our coaches yeah. go through and manually look at your data and manually create you a custom meal plan and give you macronutrients for the month. Yeah, it's gold right there. Mm. For $99, you get a month worth of training, a month worth of coaching, and a custom meal plan for you and your, like, your body, where you're at, and what you need for the month. Yeah, carbs, carbs, fats, and proteins. And that's the biggest thing is we, we realize, and that was this, I'll be honest, a little bit of a trick, and I'll tell you why. Um, the biggest thing people struggle with is nutrition. They just don't know how to eat. And overall, because if you're eating out, if you're eating anything, like we are over-consuming. And everybody wants to talk about, well, this diet and that diet and this blood type and that blood type, and this is the right diet. And Carnivore is the way to go. Keto is the way to go. Vegan is the way to go. It's all bullshit. All of it's horseshit. It's just about balance. It's about you need a certain amount of carbs, certain amount of protein, certain amount of fat. If you want to lose weight, you got to be in a deficit, period. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it works. Well, I'm in a deficit. I'm not losing weight. Guess what? You're not in a deficit. Because scientifically, if you're in a deficit, you will lose weight. weight. Yeah. Period. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, no, I'm definitely in a deficit. If you're not losing weight, you're not in a deficit. Sorry, to, I hate to break your, I hate to pop your bubble. So what we do is we build them a custom meal plan. And then what that does is it teaches them what and how to eat. It's like, oh, I can eat this and I'm done for the day. Or I can eat this six ounce steak, this salad and some rice. And I get to eat three more times a day. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so a lot of people learn that. What's, what's, what's the cheat is is we have about a 10% conversion from challenges to one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. When I get people to go from a challenge to one-on-one, -on -one, they're so successful because they've already, because when they go one-on-one, -on -one, if you just call me and Drew, like, hey, I want to go one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. Then I go, oh, geez, the first month is going to be a shit show. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just try to clean up your habits and your life for the first month. And we run a five-month program. So it's like, well, now I've only got, you know, it's going to take me a month to, you know, essentially. Yeah, that that'll give you challenge. It's kind of like the, the month, like, exactly pretty much, you know? Yeah. So then, so when, they, when they come on after a challenge, they're like, they're, they're, they're pumped. They've already yeah. got, they've already got results. We've already got their nutrition dialed in. Yeah. So you just accelerate to, them from that point, you know? Well, actually we slow them down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We actually slow them down. So we want to get to, so with the challenge, it's 30 days. It's hard. It's a, it's a punch in the face. Um, it's very intense. They're in a, they're in a, they're in a deficit. So then once we go one-on-one, -on -one, we sit down with them and go, what's your real goals? Yeah. What do you want to look like naked? What do you want to, what, what's your, do you want to run a marathon? Do you want to climb a mountain? Do you, what, do you want to just lose weight? Do you, what you want to look, you want to, you want to do a bodybuilding show? What's your real goals? And then we start talking about sleep. 
We talk about output. We talk about input. We talk about relationships with their wife. Talk about, you know, their job. Are you happy with your job? Where are you at on purpose? You know what I mean? So that's when we really start getting that one-on-one -on -one relationship. And we start focusing on what, how they need to be and where they're lacking. And how can we, how can we fix that through diet, exercise and routine and things like that. So, um, but man, it's so much easier when they go through a challenge, they knock out all that, that we detox them from the world. You know what I mean? Essentially detox them from society and then get them in the challenge. And now they have a full five months of real one-on-one -on -one progress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like basic training, you know, right. Just knock all that shit out. Get all of that. Knock, knock it out. Really. Get, you know, break <laughs> them down, get them, get them, you know, get them back down to base level and then, and then start building them up. Yeah. And is this challenge for like for, for everyone? Like everyone. who's right for it? Uh, we'll, if, we'll have to say who's wrong for it. Uh, that if you don't want to put in work. Yeah. And, and this is what I tell people. Like at the very beginning of the challenge, I'm like, let me get something straight. This is your challenge. I'm going to show you the, the yellow brick road. The coaches and I are going to show you the yellow brick road. You have to walk it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get an email saying, well, this didn't work and that didn't work. And I can't figure this out. And I can't figure that out. Like this is your challenge to better your life. That $99 ain't doing shit for me. So if mm -hmm. you want it back, sure. Take it back. Yeah. Do not show up thinking that you are going to get like, handheld i guess away like we do give you like a hand but i can't come to your house and wake you up at 5 30 in the morning yeah i can't come to your house and measure your fucking rice you know what i mean i can't come to your house and say hey it's 5 30 instead of watching netflix you need to go take your whole family for a 20 minute walk mm -hmm. like these are things that you have to do this is your challenge this is the benefit is 100 percent for you not me mm -hmm. so take some ownership of this challenge and make it your challenge yeah. And that's my, that's my intro. Okay. No, I love it, man. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I, I did, um, I'll talk to you offline. I, I did a 28 day challenge for, uh, the Epic Dad company. It sounds kind of like when you first started, it was like, yeah. it was cool, but it was like a lot of shit that I was like, yeah, I, I should definitely, you have to run them though. different. Yeah. You got to run, you got to run the beta, <laughs> you got to run the beta to figure it out. Though, yeah. Man. It was fun though, man. It was really fun. And, you know, get you guys some guys results and, Got to get out of your comfort zone as a business owner. You and know, you, know what? you just yeah. you be honest with it. Be mm -hmm. honest with them and say, "Hey, man, we're running a beta challenge. That's I'm gonna, fuck, yeah, I was I'm like, gonna <laughs> fuck all this up, and we're gonna <laughs> yeah. we're gonna work on that." You know, yeah. yeah. So, but one day, man, dude, I know you got to run. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know you know the listeners got a ton of value from this, and and I will link to to Nick where you guys can find him, um, and, and a link to the Yogi Challenge as well. Um, so Nick, man, I, I appreciate it, dude. Let's definitely stay connected. Um, I'd love to, you know, to bring you on here six months from now and, and uh, shoot the shit again. See what we're all Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. These are great. <laughs>